Hi, I'm Jeremy Sullivan. Today, I'm speaking with Andrea Lankford about her new book called Haunted Hikes, Spine-Tingling Tales and Trails from North America's National Parks. This book's got it all, from ghosts, curses, and hoax, to unsolved mysteries and paranormal events. Andrea's even found room to squeeze in some humor along the way. We'll start today's show with a short reading from her book, then we'll get into the interview. April 26, 2007. Sometime after midnight, the innkeeper heard her only guest pacing his room and talking loudly, like a lawyer to persons or persons unknown. Then she heard a shot, a person fall heavily to the floor, and the words, Oh Lord! Another shot rang out, and a few minutes later, Meriwether Lewis was scratching at her door. Oh madam, he called out, give me some water and heal my wounds. Terrified for her own life, Mrs. Grinder remained locked in her room. She heard Lewis crawling toward the kitchen and scraping the bottom of a barrel for water. At dawn, Lewis's servants, who had been sleeping in the barn, found their master lying on the floor in his bedroom with a bullet wound to the chest and a piece of his forehead blown off. Well, thanks for joining me today. I've got Andrea Langford on the phone. She's a former National Park Service ranger and has performed firefighting, law enforcement, and life-saving wilderness medicine. She's the author of Haunted Hikes, uh, which is her third book. Welcome, Andrea. Hi, Jeremy. I love your website. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks. So I've had a chance to read your book here, Haunted Hikes. I've got to tell you, I really enjoyed it. A, a few things that I've I noted uh, as I picked it up. For those uh, who don't know uh, about this book, it is kind of a combo. It's kind of half ghost stories and legend uh, of the parks, and then half trail guide, which I thought was kind of a neat combo. And it covers the entire park system, and really, at over, I think it's over 375 pages long, it's a pretty beefy book. Well, I finished it just recently, and, and I got to tell you, I really enjoyed it. Oh, I'm glad. Now there are so many great stories in here. As you were putting this book together, did you uh, did you get spooked? Did you experience anything kind of unusual during your writing of this? You know, I didn't I didn't get spooked during the writing, but I definitely felt some compassion and empathy for some of the stories that that are more tragic, um, like Floyd Collins, the caver that died in Mammoth Cave, who they now say haunts the cave. I just really felt a lot of empathy for for his ungodly death, and um, so that disturbed me and actually brought me to tears at times when I was writing it. Yeah, I know that story. Um, I was a little bit familiar with the story of Floyd uh, Collins before I'd read your book, but I think actually your book provided a level of detail that I actually wasn't familiar with with the story. Particularly sad, I thought, was that they kept his bones uh, uh, on display for a very long time. Um, that's kind of sad. Yeah, and actually that even, that the, the met, to me, I extrapolated that into a metaphor that here I was again telling his story for entertainment purposes, entertainment purposes, which it wasn't as simple as that. I mean, to me, just telling his story as a way of honoring what happened to him, or at least appreciating it. But I did feel that that conflict of here I was again, uh, exploiting 
his experience. So it was it was kind of a powerful and and not entirely pleasant experience writing about Floyd. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, I there was a story associated with Floyd that uh, and kind of the ghost of Floyd I thought was was fun. And that was the years later, uh, a couple of Park Service folks, I think, were in in a cavern uh, near where Floyd had been stuck, I think. And am I correct? There was a telephone that rang or something. Is that right? Yeah, those were scientists. And there used to be telephones that the ticket sellers would communicate back and forth to the tour guides. And the scientists were exploring a part of the cave, which happens to be called the Grand Canyon Room of all places, where Floyd's uh, coffin used to be. Anyway, the phone rang. They picked it up. There was a strange gasp on the other end of the phone. And when the scientists, you know, crawled, followed the line back up to the top of the cave, the wires weren't attached to anything. Ooh. <laughs> so that's pretty spooky. My, my favorite Floyd story, because I like my whiskey, and so did Floyd, was that rangers were in the cave and an old whiskey bottle apparently came out from a ledge, hovered for a moment, and then dropped right in front of them. <laughs> uh, I don't know if, I, I think at that point I would I would turn on my uh, flashlight and, and make for the exit. <laughs> right, sounds good, like a good plan. Uh, well, let's see. I, you know, as I read through the book, um, you've got a number of stories in here. Uh, but I think, I think the story that got me the most spooked uh, were the stories out of Harper's Ferry uh, in West Virginia, um, where I think, again, a couple of government employees were staying, um, I guess, you know, in, in some old building. And I think in the middle of the night, one fellow woke up and saw his partner trying to hold up the wall or something is that do you remember that story yeah these stories are well documented and uh other writers uh did the research for that story but yes one government employee they it, it was a roommate situation they were sharing a room he wakes up in the middle of the night and his roommate is pushing on the wall as if you know the hounds are of hell are trying to get in on the other side and he asked what are you doing and the guy says trying to keep the ghost out Oh. And uh, in that same building, there's many stories of people seeing a man in a brocade vest and a very uh, stoic-looking woman with a small child in period dress have appeared to more than one government employee in that same building. Oh, that, uh, I mean, even now, that kind of sends chills up my spine. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, you know, because these are people you would think what good would there be in them lying about these stories? I mean, it, it sort of feels like there's some authenticity behind these stories. Well, therein lies the inspiration for Haunted Hikes. I was a ranger for 12 years, and, you know, many nights we'd be sitting around the campfire sipping on beers, and I'd hear other rangers tell stories of things that they had either, either experienced or another ranger had experienced. And like you said, I, I tend to be skeptical myself, but when someone you trust and in respect tells you a story like this it definitely causes you to pause yeah for sure for sure one of the things that you and i had uh discussed in the in the email sort of leading up to this interview is where these stories uh should fit in the sort of overall framework of the park service i mean as as you know the the park service uh has this mission to you know protect the cultural resources within their care do you think these stories um have a place in that framework I do believe they have a place, obviously. I devoted a whole year to writing a book about it. Um, 
I, you know, I have sensed some controversy that there are, although most Park Service people were very helpful in my research, that some people don't see them as significant or even worthy of mentioning. But, you know, I believe uh, this mythology, just the same as Native American mythology, uh, is definitely of historical significance. Um, also, there are fun ways to get people to remember the history of the parks, and death is a part of the history of national parks. Um, so I think we should remember these things. Yeah, I I think they are important, and you're right. Um, you know, I was uh, a former park interpreter, and I think the stories connecting people with the places are can be real powerful. And and so just as we celebrate sort of the living, I think we kind of can can learn something from uh, these stories of tragedy and, and and other things. Absolutely, and that's why I also made this a trail guide because I, you know, to go there and see these places where these things happen, it just makes that visit that much more rich. Because there, you know, I'm I'm the first one to Google uh, or get all googly eyed over nature, but also the, just the history of the people who have been there before you. It they're ha it's haunting of the, of the place, um, both literally and figuratively. Yeah, and some of these stories go, you know, real. Uh, some of them are are recent. I, I mean, I think uh, of a story at Lake Powell, which is kind of still an open investigation, and then some of them are very very old, going back, I think, even before. Um, you know, bef before Europeans landed uh, on on the East Coast. Yeah, absolutely. You have your Anasazi uh, myths that go back to whether there were cannibals uh, during that time. And you've got Galen Clark, who some believe is our nation's first park ranger, who heard a ghost when he hiked to Grou Grouse Lake in Yosemite. Yeah. So, Andrea, you know, not only are your stories good, but I, I also enjoyed uh, the descriptions of some of these hikes. Um including the Trailhead Report. Here's one at uh, Redwood National Park in California. You describe the trailhead, and you say, um, be sure to remove all valuables from your car. This lot is haunted by vehicle break-ins. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. And while I was there doing my research, I come into the parking lot, and there's glass all over the place. And sure enough, here comes the park rangers, oh, and they're investigating a car clout. Jeez. Now, there are so many great stories in here. Uh, I wonder, is there is there room for a sequel? There is tons of room for a sequel. I still get emails from people all over the country giving me leads for other stories that I missed uh, in the first haunted hikes. And I'm, I'm doing research, you know, I just come back from Mojave National Preserve and came up with some good stories there that I'll probably write about sometime. Cool, cool. Well, so you've got a ton of good advice in here, and, and, and as I said, it's very entertaining, if not somewhat spine-tingling uh, at times, and um, I wanted to mention your website, or could you, could you tell me what that website is so I make sure I don't get it wrong? Yeah, at hauntedhiker.com, you can read excerpts, and you can contact me if you've got a good story that I, ha I don't, haven't heard about yet. And also, there's lots of photos that you can see of some of these places. Cool. And can they and can listeners uh, order the book through your website? You know, it's best to either go to your local bookstore or you can go to Amazon.com. Great. Well, I'll provide links on my website, and I'm sure you've got links on your website. And Andrea, it was a lot of fun to talk with you. And I, as I said, I really enjoyed your book. And uh, thanks for your time today. Yeah, you bet, Jeremy. You're doing great work. Keep it up. <laughs> Will do. 
If you find yourself around a campfire this summer, you may want to pick up a copy of this book. You'll certainly learn some new stories about our national parks, but what's more fun is that you'll get a good scare in the process. I'm Jeremy Sullivan, and I'll catch you next time on The Park Remark. This has been show number three.